Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Lockie checking in, and this is Locker Room Debate Podcast, episode 34. Everybody, please remember to follow me on Instagram at Locker Room DB and on Twitter at Locker Room DB. Fell at the NFL, but excel in debate. Ladies and gentlemen, Locker Room Debate Podcast. Well, 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 well. It's me. Say it with me, people. Lock it with two T's. What is going on, man? What is up? Definitely the sky. Definitely. Definitely the Atlanta Falcons. And definitely the Super Bowl, baby. <laughs> yes, sir, man. Atlanta Falcons, my home team, are rolling on to Super Bowl 51. What's up, y'all? It's your man, two T's. Lock it. Checking in. And this is Locker Room Debate Podcast, episode number 34. And as you can tell, I am very excited and I'm hype because my boys, my dirty birds, we destroyed the Green Bay Packers to punt our ticket to Houston Super Bowl 51 to take on the New England Patriots. Yep. Tom Brady versus Matt Ryan, man. It's going to be a good old fashioned quarterback duel. I think it's going to be a great game, and I'm excited for it. But how y'all doing out there? Y'all doing good, man? I hope y'all had a great NFC Championship, AFC Championship weekend. I definitely enjoyed myself. Um, we got a week off coming up, man, so you guys can get ready for all uh, – get your Super Bowl parties ready and, and scheduled for the following Sunday when those parties kick off. I know I'm definitely going to be at somebody's Super Bowl party. If y'all want to invite me there, y'all go ahead and invite me. But – um. Yeah, man, I'm excited. Got a great show for you today. You know, we're going to go do our usual. Going to start out the show with our NBA Lock Lines edition. Give you guys those bets and plays for the day. Um, Then we're going to move into um, our NFL uh, segment of the show. And we're going to have some callers on today. And this is going to be an interesting show today. Because the theme of this show today and for our NFL segment is why not us? Why not the Atlanta Falcons? And that show topic was derived simply from um, there was an article that was put out today, earlier today. Today is January 24th, Tuesday, January 24th. And uh, Dan Shaughnessy from Boston Globe put out an article that basically says that Atlanta sports fans aren't worthy of a Super Bowl team. That we don't deserve the Falcons going to the Super Bowl and also that the New England Patriots and the Boston fans are so disappointed that they have to beat the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl because they think it's not going to carry as much weight as some of the other Super Bowl wins. Um, Checking my watch here, uh, have we already played the Super Bowl? I think damn not. So I don't know what this clown is talking about, but I mean, I've been a diehard Falcons fan since I was came out the womb. I was born and raised in Atlanta, grew up down, down here, so... Um, you know, I know he's not speaking to me when he says, you know, Atlanta fans are fair weather and, you know, Atlanta fans don't travel and all this kind of stuff. I mean, hey, all I got to say is this, and this is going to be the theme of my show. Why not us? Why can't the Atlanta Falcons knock off the Patriots like the Patriots knocked off the Rams for their first Super Bowl title to begin their dynasty run? Why not us? Why can't Matt Ryan win his first Super Bowl against a, uh, someone who's been in the Super Bowl more times than any other quarterback and start his run of Super Bowls. Why not us? Why can't Julio Jones, Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman, Muhammad Sanu outplay the New England defense who scored more points as a defense than any defense in the league? Why not us? Why can't Dan Quinn, who's been to three out of the last four Super Bowls, I might add, Knock off arguably the greatest coach in NFL history. Why not us? So I'm excited, man. I'm excited for this show. I'm going to have some great callers. I actually have some people 
who have hit me up on uh, Twitter. They've texted me and said, hey, man, I've read this article. I got to chime in on the show. So I'm going to have those people on for you um, a little bit later on. But I'm excited to bring you um, another great show, another great episode of Locker Room Debate. And it's going to be a good one. Um, it's going to be awesome. So um, it, it's it's uh, it's definitely about to be uh, a heated, one of the more controversial heated shows because uh, Mr. Mr. Shaughnessy, definitely you did your job, sir. You got national attention and you definitely got Falcons fans riled up. So we're going to let you hear it a little bit. Um, but yeah, so uh, let's just hop right into it. I got some good uh, NBA picks for you guys today um, in our NBA lock line section. All right. Against the spread over and under for fun or for real hard cash. Get your pit and pad ready. Because it's time for Locks Lines on Locker Room Debate Podcast. All right, everybody, we're back. This is the segment of the show that I like to call Locks Lines on Locker Room Debate. We are now streaming live on Instagram, and uh, I'm ready to give you guys my plays for tonight. Um, Got a six-game NBA slate for you. Pretty simple, pretty easy, but... We definitely have some real hard, tough picks um, for you guys on these over-unders. So I'm going to be rolling those off for you. Um, First game of the night tonight, we got San Antonio Spurs traveling to Toronto. Um, This is a game slated at plus two and a half for Toronto that are underdog at home. Uh, San Antonio just knocked off um, the the, uh, Brooklyn Nets last night pretty easily without Kawhi Leonard, Tony Parker, or Manu Ginobili. Um, and they're traveling to to Toronto to play a Toronto team that does not have DeMar DeRozan. So that's why I think they have Toronto as an underdog there. Over-under is 206. I'm definitely taking the over on this one. A lot of people want to take the under here. Um, What's up, Gates? Appreciate you checking in, man. Um, A lot of people want to take the over. I mean, the under on this, just because the guy is being out. Kawhi Leonard may not play, has a hand injury. Um, but I think it's a setup. I think these two teams are still going to be able to score. Kyle Lowry, Valachunas are still on the Raptors, so I still think that'll be cool. Um, so I'm definitely taking the over on this one. And um, spread-wise, I'm taking the Spurs plus uh, minus two and a half. I think the Spurs have what it takes. I think uh, I think uh, Kawhi Leonard is going to get break the record of George Gervin for most uh, games in a row with 30 points as a San Antonio Spur. And I think that's going to put them over the hump, minus two and a half. And this is one of the games that I will be putting some cash on. And you guys will can get my premium picks if you guys follow me on Instagram and hit me up, man. You guys can sign up and uh, been winning a little bit of money for, for some people. So uh, just trying to stay hot right now. Um, before we move to the next game, shout out to my boy Jason, Christian. I see y'all, man. Appreciate y'all checking in. Um, next game coming up, Chicago is traveling to Orlando. Spread is plus two and a half. Uh, Orlando's the underdog here. Um, the over-under is 206 and a half. I'm taking the over on this game. I'm definitely taking the over. I think uh, Orlando, Chicago, a lot of people think they can't score, but I think this is going to be one of those games where both teams are going to come out and really just ball out. Um, both teams have had two days of rest, and we know what that means in the NBA. You get two days of rest in the NBA, you're going to feel refreshed. And these guys are elite players. You got to remember NBA guys are so elite. Once they get a little bit of rest, I mean, they're going to be able to put up points. So 206 and a half, I think, is a little bit low. Even though both these teams average about 101 a game, um, I think they'll push it push it over. D-Way's rested up pretty good. So he oiled the knees up, and D-Way might turn back the clock tonight, him and Jimmy Butler. So we're going to see about that. Um, so I'm taking the over there. Next game is the – I call it the thug game because it seems like, uh, according to Kelly Oubre, the Washington Wizards are wearing all black to the stadium tonight. Uh, the Wizards are going to wear all black because I guess they're they're thugs now in the NBA. They're millionaire thugs, so they're going to wear all black. And they're going to, you know, take on the Boston Celtics, who, if you guys remember, they had an altercation before. I mean, at the end of their last game. So um, we'll see what happens there. Um, it's the spread. The over-under is 216 and a half. I'm taking the over on this one. I think a lot of people are going to be fooled and scared. Oh, this is going to be a physical game, like a playoff game, all that kind of stuff. But don't let it fool you. They all can still get buckets. 
Um, Isaiah Thomas, yeah, like Christian here on Instagram just said it. Isaiah Thomas will have 40. Um, I mean, he's missed a fourth quarter. He leads the league in fourth quarter points. The Celtics lead the league in points scored in the fourth quarter due to Isaiah Thomas. So, um, and I think Isaiah Thomas elevating this game is going to elevate John Wall's game, elevate uh, Bill's game. Um, you have to put that into consideration. If you, I mean, if you got a guy that has a chip on his shoulder and he's going against another elite point guard, and they're both playing good, that's a lot of points and a lot of assists distributing the ball. So, uh, don't get fooled by this physical matchup. They're definitely going to be, uh, they're definitely going to be over that two sixteen and a half. The spread now is plus one for Washington. Um, Boston's in Washington. Washington one of the hotter teams in the league. But my 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 gut. Is matching up with the stats on this one. I think Boston is gonna gonna take him out. I just think um, Isaiah Thomas is gonna be a little bit too much. Um, he's a killer. That's what I call him, killer, killer Thomas. Because I mean, he's he's it's ridiculous how nice he is. Um, Left hand assassin. He reminds me of my boy Christian Turner. Man, he's if y'all get a chance, y'all make sure y'all check out Gardner Webb. Um, my little my little bro, man. He's a freshman there now. Doing his thing, number four. If y'all see that Turner CT four, make sure y'all go see him. So, um, and shout out to us, his mom and pops, man, for letting him go to the gym and put up some shots. So, shout out to you, CT. Um, but yeah, so the next game we got is the Clippers traveling to Philadelphia. No Joel Embiid. I have to say that off top. No Joel Embiid for the Sixers. Um, but Blake Griffin is returning for the Clippers. So. The plus four and a half for Philly. I'm taking Clippers minus four and a half. I think they destroy Philly tonight. I think they end Philly's streak of uh, consecutive home wins at five. Um, I just think they're not going to have enough to stop the Clippers. And the Clippers had a nice win last night against my Atlanta Hawks. Pretty much took us behind the shed and, you know, whipped us like grandma. With a stick. With thorns on it. Um, we fought back, but we couldn't come back. But Clippers look good. They're getting a little bit of a rhythm. I think they take out Philadelphia and they beat uh, their minus four and a half spread. The over under is 204. I'm definitely taking the over on this one. Clippers scored 115 points last night against the Hawks, who are a way better defensive team than Philly. So I'm definitely taking Clippers over and I'm taking the minus four and a half spread there. Uh, the last two games of the night, the late games, we got Minnesota traveling to Phoenix. Over under is 213 and a half. I'm definitely taking the over. Both of these teams play zero defense, even though it's kind of oxymoron. Tom Thibodeau is one of the best defensive coaches in the NBA. But the young boys just haven't bought into defense quite yet. Wiggins, Levine, um, Rubio, the big cat, Carl Anthony Towns. They're just not ready for um, they're not ready for that quite yet. Phoenix, Eric Bledsoe, Devin Booker, Tyson Chandler. They're coming on strong. They've won four out of the last five. They're pretty hot right now. The spread is plus one and a half for uh, Phoenix. They're the underdog there. But I think Minnesota just is too much. Big cat down low, man. Carl Anthony Towns is a monster. If you guys haven't seen him play, man, that kid is special. Going to be gonna be in the same sentences. Some of the greats, KGs and those guys um, here in a couple years. So I like Minnesota minus one and a half. And I like them to go over 213 and a half. Last game of the night. I call this the slobber knocker because Utah is like a heavyweight that just leans on you in the ropes, man. They play slow down basketball, fewest possessions in the NBA, best defensive efficiency in the NBA. And they're taking on Denver, who's actually the highest scoring team in the NBA and has the most possessions in the NBA. So what's going to give tonight? Basketball, to me, defense always prevails. I think um, Utah just has too much. Rudy Gobert down low is a monster. And I think that um, the minus two that Denver's favorite for, I, I like I like Utah plus two. And I like um, the under on this game of 210 and a half, even though Denver can put up some points. I think Utah slows the game down so much that Denver's got to run their offense through Jokic, who has been balling the rookie center for Denver, who is a monster um, on that one. So that is my lock lines edition. For episode 34 of Lockman Debate Podcast. I appreciate everybody checking in on Instagram. And uh, coming up, we're going to have some callers calling in live to the show to talk about this guy, Dan Shaughnessy. This this terrible, terrible Boston Globe writer who says that the Atlanta Falcons have no business in a Super Bowl. 
Really? Really, Dan? So we don't have any business in the Super Bowl. We're the, arguably the best, highest scoring team ever. You know, so we'll see about that. Um, but yeah, so when I come right back, we'll have uh, we'll start that chat. We'll start that debate. Um, but I appreciate you guys checking in for lock lines. And I'll um, if you guys missed it, I'll make sure um, you check my Instagram and and uh, or or Twitter, and I'll get those up for you. So I'll be right back in a flash. What's up, everybody? It's your man Locker with two T's coming back. I told you guys we're going to have some reaction to this article from, from Dan Shaughnessy and him talking about Atlanta sports fans and just what's going on in Atlanta, the the temperature going on. Everybody's excited for the Super Bowl. But I want to bring in a guy, man. He's a Patriots fan, but he's an Atlanta native pretty much his whole life. Good buddy, man. I've known this kid since elementary school. My, my good friend, Chris, man. How you doing today, buddy? What's up, brother? How's it going? Going good, man. I just want to bring you on today, man. We've been, uh, I've been getting reactions to this article. Now, it's a lot of people that's been mixed, sending mixed signals. You know, some people feel that Dan, you know, is, isn't is isn't wrong with this scenario, but it was bad timing. Some people feel it's just outright wrong. Um, just want to get your take on it, man. How you feel about it? You being an actual Patriots fan, you know, do you feel like he had the right to say this or, you know, what's your take on it? I mean, anybody has an opinion, you know, anybody has a right to make the opinion they want to make. Um, however, when a team, you know, and me, again, you said I was a Patriots fan, so it's kind of weird <laughs> defending the Falcons. But, yeah. um, you know, anytime a team has demoralized and beat teams on their path to the way the Super Bowl that they have, I think you have to give them some sort of respect. Now, when we start talking about, you know, legacy and things like that, maybe they don't have that. But, I mean, no team has that until they develop it, right? That's true. I think that's how the big kid on the, on, the, on the playground gets beat up, too. He thinks he's the biggest and the baddest, and he's been the biggest and the baddest forever. Then the scrawny kid knocks him out, and then he becomes the king. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think you have to be careful with that. Yeah, I, I know uh, I wanted to kind of bring into the conversation what we were kind of talking about off air and just to echo what you just said, that, you know, at the end of the day, the Patriots weren't always, you know, the king of the mountain. They weren't always on the mountaintop. They had to start from somewhere, too. And, you know, I, I, I was mentioning before the Patriots, you know, it was a steel curtain. It was Green Bay getting all the wins. You know, it was Dallas had their run, um, you know, three Super Bowls and stuff like that. And my point to that is, well, how, why not Atlanta? You know, why isn't this Atlanta's time to say, okay, well, we're, you know, when the Patriots knocked off the Rams – Nobody gave, you know, little old Tom Brady and this new guy, Belichick, a chance to beat the greatest show on turf. You know what I mean? And indoors, indoor stadium. So, you know, this article to me is kind of like a is it's like a, the irony of it is, wow, this comes out. You know, I'm not saying the Falcons are going to win because of this article, but it's kind of it, it. The similarities are there. And, you know, I was just wondering to you, like, do you feel that Dan should have waited to do this or should he have you know the timing of it do you feel the timing was right i mean the timing is right from his perspective because now he's national news exactly um from uh from having a real sports opinion i mean maybe if you would have said this pre-playoffs and you know if you want to talk about being on the right side of history or or whatever maybe pre-playoffs maybe mid-season i mean when they went when they go out and triumphs you know uh, the, the Green Bay Packers, who have a Hall of Fame quarterback, we all know Aaron Rodgers and what he can do, you know, and the things they did, you know, throughout the season, having was it the number eight power, most powerful offense of all time, and they never got talked about the whole season. I don't know. I mean, I think it's also part. I mean, he's up there in Boston. How many Atlanta Falcons games do you think this guy has watched? I mean, probably less than four or five. Exactly. It was a nationally televised game. I mean, did he even catch them when they played the Saints? Probably not because the Saints were down this year. So, you know, I mean, everybody has a right to their opinion. Was it the right time? I mean, he probably had his piece waiting. You know, as soon as they beat the Packers, he was ready to shoot this one off. Um, but, again, you know, if they go out there and the, and the Falcons lay an egg, does that make him right? Does that make the piece right? 
you know, so, I mean, I, I guess we just have to see what the game holds. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that, man. I mean, I just think, I just think, um, to me personally, I just think it was a, a publicity stunt. Like you said, I think he, he definitely knew when to release this, um, this article. And I think the article is actually playing off of the fandomonium that's going on right now in Atlanta, as I like to call it, with the fanatics. You know, I feel like it's a lot of, and, and I'll be straight up with everybody. I'm a, I'm a true diehard Atlanta fan. I mean, you know me since I was little. I've been repping Atlanta, you know, since I was young. So, you know, th- there are a lot of Atlanta fans in this town that are like Boston Celtics, the Patriots fans up in Boston where they, you know, it's in their blood. There are, there are a lot of us out here. But overall, you know, Atlanta is a, is a transitional town. You know, a lot of people come from all across the country. So when you go to games, like in his article, he mentioned, you know, last year we played the Boston Celtics in the playoffs. And the leading headline story in the newspaper was the Georgia spring game. You know what I mean? Right. So whereas in Boston, you're not going to have that. So I totally understand him saying those type of comments. And I agree, you know, as a, as a whole, Atlanta fans are but, fair, but are fair weather. But when you haven't had, you know, it's not – it's not the current. It's not Matt Ryan's fault and Julio Jones' fault that the people before them haven't won championships. You know, I mean, like when you're growing up as a kid and your team wins the championship, that that installs something in you that you're going to be a fan for the rest of your life. You know, yeah. and that, that probably speaks more to the why. You know, I grew up in Atlanta. I didn't really attach to any team. Which is why I became a Patriots fan forever ago. You know, so when you start talking about you know, histories of teams and things of that nature. If they didn't have a, I mean, how many kids do you think in Cleveland care about the Browns right now? Probably count them on one hand. <laughs> yeah, you so, right. <laughs> you know, whereas when you grew up and your dad loved the Steelers and they won championships three out of six years, how are you not going to like the Steelers? Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's, that's part of it. You know, the prettiest girl in school gets all the boys. That's the way it works, guys. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Can you, can, I wouldn't even – I couldn't say it any better, man. So, um, yeah, Chris, I just I, I had to call you, man. You know how to get you on the show because uh, definitely from a perspective of a, of a true Patriots fan, which is just weird to say all these years, man, I never would have thought one of my best friends would be a Patriot fan in Atlanta. You know, just let that but sink I, in, I've guys. Been, but I've been a fan forever. You're right. You're right. I mean, he has. This is why this is my worst, worst dream come true slash nightmare. Because now, like I told you, I think earlier, uh, you know, if the Falcons win, everybody's going to make oh me crap. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. If the Patriots win, everybody's going to make me crap. So, you're, yeah, either it's, way, I'm it's a lose lose. Yeah. I feel you on that one, man. It's kind of. That's going to be a weird dynamic, but we'll see what happens. We'll see how it plays out, man. Hopefully the, uh, you know, like you said, the, the little scrawny kid on the playground is the best of the big, bad bully this year. So, uh, yeah, yeah, man, I appreciate you having, uh, having you on the show today. Man. Last of the creative kings. Uh, we'll definitely have to get you back Always preaching to the masses, but some of the people slow molasses. So I got to break it down elementary. No professor, but I got a couple classes. Real living is determined by your inner faith. Not just believe in something in outer space. Trusting the humans can get you hurt faith. Or how you rolling in the deep like a Dale. See, daily sensations only trapping you in a mind of bliss. Concealing all the snakes with poison lips. Or better yet. All right, everybody, man. It's the time of the show that we like to call NFL Sound Off. Having some guests on this week. As we mentioned earlier in the show, we're talking about this crazy article about Dan Shaughnessy of the Boston Globe saying that Atlanta Falcons fans aren't really true fans and we don't deserve to be in the Super Bowl. It's been wild and crazy. We've been having people sounding off. But I had to bring on a special guest. This is a former member of the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. This this is the all-time leader in games played at Wake Forest. He donned the number 5-2 at Wake. He go by his name of Majet. Don't call him Midget. It's my boy, Dominique Majet, man. How you doing, man? Hey man, how you doing, man? It's an honor to be on the podcast today, man. Just uh, just sitting here, man, chilling and just just ready to talk about some sports with you, man. Okay, cool, man. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on, man. And uh, so I just want to jump jump right into it real quick, man. I want to get your thoughts on. So I had mentioned it was a guy in the Boston Globe. I mean, clearly he's a Patriots fan. Dan Shaughnessy wrote about Atlanta fans not being true fans, that the Falcons don't deserve to be in the Super Bowl, and that the Patriots should be upset that they have to beat the Atlanta Falcons to win because there were more, you know, historically great franchises out there that could have made it. And 
been a better game for them. How do you feel about that? Do you think it's disrespectful? Or, I mean, or was he kind of spot on? Um, depending on the way he's he's really the angle he's really trying to come at the franchise. Honestly, blind, you know what I'm saying, eye for eye, I think it's very, very disrespectful. Uh apparently he's never been to an Atlanta game. He's never been to a tailgate. He's never seen how y'all get down for the Falcons. Um y'all been in the running for years now. You know, y'all y'all might make the playoffs, y'all you stumble upon, you know, lose the game, y'all out of it. But for y'all to make the Super Bowl now, I mean, for him to disregard what y'all have done this year is just just flat out ridiculous. Y'all lost, I think, two two y'all might have lost two big games this year. Yeah. Uh, one was on uh passing the France was supposed to be called. That was one time. Y'all got him back for that. In and Seattle. Y'all gave up a lead to the K- Kansas City. Yeah. Other than y'all have won every big every big game y'all have played in y'all have won. So I mean, depending on the angle he's coming from, he, he of course he's being very, very disrespectful. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, that's that's one thing I definitely can agree with you on. Because um, to be totally honest, I think this might be the only thing we do agree on today. Uh, just simply because, um, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to make this clear. The person that I'm talking to right now does not feel that Julio Jones, the man with nine catches, 180 yards, and two touchdowns in arguably the biggest game in Atlanta Falcons history, is not the best wide receiver in the NFL. Now, I'm not saying that because I'm a Falcons fan. I'm just saying that what he does for defenses, how they have to change their coverages, and I'm excited to see what Bill Belichick is going to come up with. But <laughs> Mr. Majet, now, now you need to break this down to me and the people. Why is Julio Jones, again, not the best receiver in the NFL? Okay, I'm going to break it down for you, man. Julio Jones. Now, I am, how can I say it? We can go off statistics. We can go off big games. We go, he is, he is a superstar. He is a big time receiver. He's just not number one in the league. And I'm going to tell you why. He's probably sitting at number three right now. And this is why Julio Jones is very, very inconsistent. He is not a in the box guy. He doesn't score enough for me. That's my opinion. He doesn't score enough touchdowns. If you look at his career, I think this is off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure. I think he's been in the lead six or seven years. Yep. He probably has maybe one double, double figure touchdown season. Now the two guys that I'm putting him behind, Odell Beckham. This is no particular order one or two. Odell Beckham Jr., who's only been in the lead three years and has. Uh, I think he averages 11 touchdowns a year. Yeah. Figure. Yeah, he's about 10.8 You at 11. Yep. And uh, A.B., uh, Antonio Brown. Now, I give the fact Antonio Brown came on later. I think he's been in the lead seven or eight years, but he's averaging double-figure touchdowns. Okay. You know, so with that being said, and of course, by this year, I'm going off this year too, Julio Jones, he had a 300-yard game. He was what, first four or five games, he was leading touchdowns, leading yards and everything. Yeah. He ends up with six touchdowns on the season, I think, and Des Bryant got more touchdowns than that, and Des Bryant was – he might have been the 80th best receiver this year in the league. I go off – I'm just going off box scores, touchdowns, who I feel like can get in the zone. Don't get me wrong, Julio's the heck of a player. I just can't put him at number one because he does not score enough for me. <sighs> and that is where we disagree to the umpteenth degree. Now, I totally understand getting in the end zone is what a wide receiver is supposed to do, and that's a part of the game, and that's what you, you know, you put that heavy on your ranking. But you have to realize this, too. I don't think there's too many other receivers left in the NFL that get double covered like Julio still does. I mean, now, for I'll give you Antonio Brown, where the Patriots show how they had a guy over the top all the time, but even Des Bryant doesn't really get the attention that Julio gets Odell Beckham Jr. Damn sure doesn't get the attention because they don't feel his. A lot of Odell Beckham's routes aren't necessarily the deep route like a Julio Jones. So for me, it's not just about scoring. It's like the Calvin Johnson effect. When Calvin was in the league, let me ask you that: Did you think Calvin Johnson was the best receiver in the league? When Calvin was in, uh, yeah, he was the best receiver in the league. Okay, so there's an argument between him 
I think I had to put between him and Fitzgerald at the time. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I have to give it to Calvin Johnson. Okay. So now Julio Jones is is in that same mode. Am I not correct? Because Calvin, if you take away the year he broke Jerry uh, Jerry Rice's record, where he had, I think, 12 touchdowns as well, um, outside of that season, I mean, Calvin only had three years of double-digit touchdowns. But the yards, <laughs> he racked up a lot of yards. Mm-hmm. So – to say he was still the best receiver, that's my point with Julio. A lot of times with receivers, like it was instances where Julio would get caught inside the 10 or he get tackled on a deep pass. They hand the ball off and run it. Whereas Des Bryant's, the Odell Beckham Juniors, these type of guys aren't necessarily getting, they get more targets in the red zone than Julio because mm-hmm. of the team. So that doesn't I my point to you is you can't lessen or or he's the best receiver in the league because of the tension he garners, because of the explosive plays that he creates. I mean, he showed it hands down against the Packers, the type of plays he can make when he wants to do that. But the only argument is that he can't get score touchdowns. It's a lot of guys that don't score touchdowns. It's running backs that I'm pretty sure you would say today that that I could tell you that are great that didn't score a lot of touchdowns in their career. This is what this is what I'm going to say. Julio Jones is that a hell of a hell of a receiver. He is the he is the Megatron. But when Calvin Johnson was in the league, there wasn't no Odell Beckham Juniors, there wasn't no Antonio Browns, and there wasn't no AJ Greens. I left out AJ Green because he, he he was hurt all year this year. Yeah, no AJ Greens. This is what I have to compare it to. I feel Odell Beckham, he also did get doubled in the playoffs. He attracts double teams. Uh, Tony O'Brown attracts. I feel like them two guys are football players. Julio Jones is a receiver. Now, the two times I've seen Julio Jones just go off this year was one against the Panthers, secondary. I mean, I can't name the guys in their secondary. And once against the Packers. <laughs> I can't name the guys in the, you know, the Packers secondary beat up. My skins put 40 on the Packers. So, I'm not saying I'm not taking no credit from him. I'm not. I'm not taking no credit. He's a hell of a athlete. He's the man. I just can't put him at the number one spot because he does not do more than these two football players that I mean, they can touch the ball on the screen. They can go deep. They can go across. They do punt return. They I feel like they do more. Now, don't get me wrong. Julio does do a lot for the Falcons and the Falcons are a better team. So a lot more people get to touch the ball. But I can't, I just can't, I can't say what if Julio touched the ball more that I, I got to go off what I see. Okay. Maybe if Julio touched the ball more, he probably would be better than him too. Or he'd probably get more yards and more touchdowns. But the fact that the Falcons have a good running game and multiple receivers to get it to, then I just can't put them at the number one. Because them two little jitterbugs, they they be work, they did a lot of work this year. You're right. Take- they take them slant. They be taking them slants 80 now. They, uh, I can't even knock them there, so. Okay. Well, I feel you on that one. I got, you know, I, I mean, we, we're going to always disagree. You know, I always got a soft spot from any Falcon that's elite as well. But um, uh, what was your team in the skins? Okay, no, nah, we're not going to go there. I ain't even nah, going to dig you. Talk about I ain't going to dig you. I'm not going to dig you. All right, I'm going to lead them out of it. We're know? not talking about my skins right now because we, we don't want to talk about them the same. Yes, it we don't. Be a disagreement. We don't, we don't want to do that. Now, my last question before I let you go now. So, I'll probably call you back again. Sometime next week to see if it changes. But okay. I need your pick, your prediction for the Super Bowl. Um, who do you like and why? And uh, give me a score. Okay. I'm going to give you two different things. Now, I'm a deep thinker. Okay. Sometimes I like to, I like to choose, pick and choose the winner. Sometimes I might throw a dollar or two on a game. Okay. So with that being said, if I go off base football knowledge – Basic football knowledge, seeing it, watch it, play it, two teams, blah, blah, blah. If I go off basic football knowledge, I will have to say the Patriots. I have to say there's no way the Falcons can beat the Patriots. Okay. It basically, just all football knowledge. I just feel like the AFC is like the SEC. It's just a different conference than the NFC this year. And another reason I feel like Patriots secondary is top five in the league. Their defense is top five in the league. And it's the way the Patriots run their offense, man, they make a lot of people. You give them two weeks to prepare, 
It's just, ah, and they've been there. They've just been there two years ago. Falcons' first time going there since, what, 98, 99? Yeah, it's been a minute. <laughs> just, that's just football knowledge. Yep. If I'm going off the money, if I'm just going to bet Vegas-style money, I will have to choose the Falcons. Why? Because I go all the way back to the year of sports. You got the Cavs coming back from 3-1. They ain't won a title in forever. You got the Cubs coming back from 3-1. They ain't won a title in forever. You got the Clemson Tigers scoring three touchdowns in the fourth quarter on an Alabama defense to win the national title. Yep. With yep. The flu- all this stuff going on in sports, I will have to put my money on the Falcons. Yep. So I'm going to say Falcons. I'm going to say Falcons 31-27. All right. So there we go. We got Majette with 31-27 Falcons. I'm just collecting all the scores, man, just so when I when I when we when it finishes, I'll see what guys are the closest and stuff and we can chat about it. But um yeah, see see that's see people, that's why I brought this man on the show. Y'all getting a little bit of taste of what we used to do in the locker room at Wake. Some of the, the this guy right here, people give you a little background, he's the Mr. Conspiracy Theory. This <laughs> this this is the guy at Wake that told me that the finals was rigged. And some of these NBA games. And the funny thing is, last year, I was kind of thinking it was a little rigged with Draymond getting thrown out. You you give, you you. I mean, get kicked out. Steph Curry gets texts and gets, you know, I mean, they came back from 3-1. I can't knock the feet. But, but the fact that he put out there about the year of the first-time champion, that's something that I didn't even think about. And when you say that, that does have a nice ring to it. Just mm, because it's good I, for sports. It's good for sports. And I tell people this. This is my angle. The first year that the Patriots started their run, they knocked off arguably the greatest offense ever. The mm-hmm. greatest show on turf. Warner, them boys, Bruce, um, uh, Holt, you know, and Brady was a little, you know, seven round, six round draft pick with a new, you know, coach, no name coach, and they were trying to knock off Goliath. It's the same thing, I think, in this scenario. I don't think anybody's going to think the Falcons are going to do it, pull it off, except for, in my opinion, the people that know the game, but know that there's, it's not just about the game. Sometimes it's it's like, there's actually magic that happens in some seasons. Mm -hmm. And I try to tell people that with, you know, it, and I know it, we were a part of a team that, you know, I tell people, how did Chip Vaughn block a kick against Duke? I don't know how he jumped that high. Mm-hmm. Like still to this day, you know, it's little things that happened in that season when we won the ACC championship. So when you say that, that puts me in a mindset. Like it's it's definitely taking me to a whole different spot, man. I, I wasn't even thinking like that. And that's why we have you on the show, man. That's why we bring Majette on the show. No problem. Also, you hey, make sure you hit the fact that what Brian said last night, man. He might have, he, LeBron James might have discouraged his legacy with that statement he made last night. Yeah, he might have. You're right. You're right. You're going to have to hit that soon. I mean, today, I don't know what you got going on, but I appreciate everything, man. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. You know, I love talking that sports with you. Oh, yeah, for sure, man. I appreciate having you on the show, man. We'll definitely have you back on Locker Room Debate, man. So I appreciate the call, man, Jet. All right, man. All right, man. Tell me how you really feel, tell me how you really feel, I would ask you what's the deal, but you don't even got a deal. Alright everybody, welcome back to Locker Room Debate. We just had a great discussion with Dominique Majette, former Wake Demon Deacon, man, I appreciate him coming on. I got another Demon Deacon for you guys, you guys heard him on one of the previous podcasts. I got Mr. Jones, Jonathan Jones again back on the show. What's up man, welcome back. What's going on man, glad to be here. Oh yeah. Glad me back on. Oh yeah, man. I'm I'm glad to have you on, man. We so we're we're running through the show. This is our NFL segment. Um, and we're just getting everybody's viewpoint on a recent article, man. Recent article came out. I mean, it's rubbed me the wrong way. But a guy by the name of Dan Shaughnessy wrote an article about Atlanta sports, Atlanta sports fans, um, saying that we don't deserve a Super Bowl team, saying that we don't need um a Super Bowl in this town because fans really don't appreciate the sports 
um, that the Falcons should be honored to be in the Super Bowl with the Patriots and the Patriots should be upset that they're actually playing Atlanta. Um, now, you're not from Atlanta, but if a guy was saying this about your team or from, you know, from f- about, let's see. So who'd you grow up liking? Uh, I'm from Tennessee, man. We didn't even have a professional football team until I was, you know, in like middle school. The Titans didn't come until I was in, I think, middle school. So I didn't really have an NFL team growing up. The Falcons were the closest thing I had, but it was just around here, around Knoxville area. It's all college football. It's all UT volunteers, man. Okay. So, so say a guy was disrespecting UT going into a national championship or something saying, you right. know, Hey, well, they're playing Alabama. They should just be happy that they get to grace the field with Alabama. You know, the prowess they have, like you're, you're a former athlete. Do you feel that that's disrespectful or is it just a part of gamesmanship? You know, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think it's a, it's a little gamesmanship, but no, I think that's, that's completely disrespectful. Cause I think you're missing the point. I mean, like who deserves to be in any championship game game is who puts the best product on the field is who can, you know, puts the players out there and those guys go out, they win games. Like those guys earn the right to be in the Super Bowl. Nobody gave Atlanta a Super Bowl pick. You know what I mean? It didn't, they didn't draw hats or anything to see who got to go to the Super Bowl to play Patriots. The Falcons have been playing well all season. Uh, Matt Ryan has got over a hump because the past few years, everybody's been talking about, ah, he's a great regular season quarterback. He's good, but he's not having the postseason success. He's not going to be that guy that wins you a Super Bowl. So, I mean, they've definitely paid their dues these past few years to get to this point um, to be able to play in a Super Bowl. So I don't think it's I do think it's disrespectful to the fans and to the players to be like, oh, well, they're they're lucky to be here. They just because your team has had a lot of success recently and you've got arguably one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play. And he's been there and been healthy for the past, you know, decade or more. Um, you kind of got comfortable. And I think you're feeling yourself a little bit too much, but nah, man, the, the Falcons earned their way into this game. And I know Atlanta isn't predominantly known for backing their sports a hundred percent all the time, but I mean, they're there. The Falcons are good this year. And so I think Atlanta will come out and support. Okay. But no, that's out of bounds. Yeah, definitely. See, I agree with you on that one, man. It's, it's definitely struck a nerve on me. But I must I must reiterate too, as a long term Falcons fan, I'm you know, I've been I grew up Falcons fan right Dion days and stuff. I do agree in some sense with him that Falcons fans or Atlanta sports fans in general are fair weather. You know, there's not we can't compare our our fandomonium, as I call it, to Boston, to New right. York. You know, that's that was just being right. being ignorant to the fact right. that, you know, a lot of those towns are you know like like New York kids are raised as a Yankee fan because their granddad you know their dad like right. it's historically generational type of type of fan and that's what they have in Boston so I can understand where he's coming from and downplaying us Atlanta fans but you have to remember I mean we didn't get a, a sports team here until 1966 as far as the Falcons right you know we were right. we don't we didn't have a team back in the 1908s and different things so it's, it was really unable to be generational with the Falcons. And, you know, it's a lot of families that don't necessarily, you know, people move from New York to Atlanta. You know, it's kind of like a, 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 a melting pot city. Right. So I, think I that was hurts just about us. to say that. I think the melting pot thing brings into Atlanta, too, because you get a lot of people, like a lot of people in Atlanta are not from Atlanta or maybe not even be from Georgia in general. So you get a lot of people, you're getting all types of teams, fans in Atlanta. So you can't. I mean, it's, this is not like Buffalo or Green Bay, Wisconsin, where, like you said, even in New York, you're growing up in Yankees fans and you got generations and generations of a family that's grown up following the Falcons. Like most of the people in the Falcons, especially like young professionals and stuff like that, they're not from Atlanta. So they probably had a team before they even got to Atlanta. So you're not going to really get the same die hard, hardcore fans that are going to watch losing season after losing season and then still claim they're a diehard fan like you would maybe, like I said, a Green Bay or a Buffalo, something like that. You're going to get more people that are kind of more into the the nightlife and the, okay, the team's winning, so it's, you know, they're riding the hot wave. Yeah. I'm a Falcon fan now, but so, no, nah, I don't think you compare that. Yeah. Okay. The historical value, nah, it's, you can't 
do Atlanta like that. I agree. I agree. And people got to people fail to realize too, man. Just a quick side note: it, we live in a generation now. This is a bandwagon generation. <laughs> Definitely. You know, so I mean, I, I I fell into that trap a little bit. Like I love LeBron James. I'll be the first to tell you guys. So if, right, if my Hawks don't make it to the finals, like in the Cavs play whoever, I'm cheering for the Cavs simply because I like LeBron. You know, like right, people like right. players instead of teams and, and different stuff. Like it's Warriors fans. They don't like the Warriors because of the Warriors. They like the Warriors because right. either KD or Steph. You know, so that type of thing hurts right. a city like Atlanta that's already a melting pot, and then. People just like players more than they like the actual team. So, you know, it's right. pretty, pretty wild with that. Um, right. I'm with you. Yeah. So, but, uh, so now moving forward, man, um, as, and, and, and kind of piggybacking off of that. Now, you mentioned, you know, the Falcons, like they earned their way to, to where they're at. And, um, now, do you think that the Falcons have a chance in the Super Bowl as far as, you know, with their offense and different things? Like, is this, is this their year to kind of do it? Like, is, is it that because of the calendar year? I know I we me and um Majette had just talked about that and he brought it up. As you know, being in the locker room with him and being in the same linebacker room for a little bit, he's like Mr. Conspiracy Theory. You know. <laughs> and he thinks he thinks everybody's rigged, you know, everything's rigged and all the yes. lines are rigged, you know. So he he brought up the point that, you know, this is the year of the first of of all teams. Okay. So the Cubs okay. won the World Series. Okay. Cleveland okay. got their first championship, right? You know, against the big bad war. You know, I mean, and then now look at the right. Falcons going against Goliath. You know, can they slay Goliath for their first franchise championship? So he was basically he picked Atlanta simply because of that. But a football He's, standpoint, he liked the Patriots. So you right, know, what, what you had to kind of say about that? I was going to ask you what Majet said too because he always has some off the wall. Theories, mm-hmm. um, and he is the king of conspiracy theories. So I'm not surprised by his pick or his his theory on that at all. But um, on the one hand, I do think Atlanta has a shot to that question. I definitely think Atlanta has a shot. I think um, just kind of the same way I said in the national championship with Clemson and Alabama. Like I think Atlanta has the right ingredients to definitely give the Patriots a run for their money and, and possibly take it home, you know, get a Super Bowl ring. That being said, I don't think this is their year just because I think Brady, I mean, he's on his revenge tour. This is his what seventh Super Bowl that he's going to play in. Yeah. Him and Belichick have two weeks to prepare. I think he's going to be so locked in and so on point. Like I think he's going to play lights out. So I think I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be a close game. I really think what it's going to come down to, like I said, you got Brady and Belichick with two weeks to prepare. Um, you got Atlanta that has a good defense, but a young defense. So I think um, the difference is going to be Brady's going to score points. They're going to scheme it. They're going to get matchups the way they need it to. They're going to show you something you've never seen before, and it might be a busted coverage or something. They're going to put points on the board. Atlanta, they have everything they need to put points on the board. Uh, New England does have the number one scoring defense, though. And I think what it's going to boil down to, I think it's going to be plays early. It's going to be first quarter plays where Matt Ryan, it's his first time in the Super Bowl. He's kind of amped up. He overthrows a couple balls or a young receiver drops a ball that could have been a touchdown just because he's a little, you know, a little jittery and stuff. I think it's going to be a couple plays missed early in the game. Okay. It's going to get them down, and they'll fight back into it. It'll be close going down the stretch, but I think it'll be, you know, a first half play, a first quarter play, fumble, something like that, or something early in the game that you'll look back to and be like, man, if we got those couple plays back, it would have definitely, definitely been a, a different type of ball game. So I'm, I'm taking Brady in the end. Okay, so you're taking the Pats. Well, if I'm you taking can, the Pats. If you give me a rough score um, right now, I know Majette went 31-27 Atlanta. Um, just because of the magical year, so you got right. Patriots. What what score are you thinking? Um, I was thinking top? something closer there. I was thinking more, probably twenty seven, twenty three, twenty five, nineteen, something like that. So I'll say more, probably we'll say twenty seven, twenty three. Okay, twenty seven, twenty three. Pats. Pat, yeah. For Mister Jonathan Jones, there we got Mister Majet thirty one twenty seven. Okay, I'm just getting a little read, man. I'm I'm actually. Trying to get you guys predictions this week, and then as you guys start hearing some more narrative and we start figuring out, you know, getting an idea of maybe what type of schemes guys are going to run and, and hearing some of the press conferences, maybe if anybody's going to sway or change their pick. So, uh, right. 
But yeah, man. But you know, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate the time. Had to, you know, had to get you back on the show. Definitely get you. Yes, insight. sir. Yes, sir. Anytime, no. let me know. I'm always down for it. I always got my opinion. It's funny that you mentioned uh, about the gamesmanship and stuff because with two weeks, this is different than the rest of the playoffs. It's just a week in between games. With the two weeks between the Super Bowl, like last year with the Broncos and the Panthers, yeah, everybody thought the Panthers were going to win. But you know, as long as long as it went, yeah, for that two week, that extra week, everybody, all the noise, oh man, I feel bad for the Broncos. The Panthers are going to dominate them. They're going to blow them out. And I was like, you know what? This is the NFL. They've been hearing that for two weeks now. I bet they come out, and it turns out to be a totally different game than everybody was expecting. So yep. I think with my man from the Boston Globe, he probably needs to chill. I don't think he needs to to light any fires that he can't put out himself. Yeah, um, man. But, but I, now, I don't think the Patriots can get caught up in that same type situation. But, uh, nah, I don't think – I don't really think – you don't need bulletin board material. You're in the Super Bowl. Like, be happy your team is in the Super Bowl and – Hopefully they go out and execute and get a W. I don't think you need to be making any more, making any enemies on the way. I agree with that, man. Just, if, <laughs> if you got a sleeping giant, man, just let him lay, right? Right, mm-hmm. man. Yeah, absolutely. You don't want to wake Julio up and have him go for 200. <laughs> exactly. Especially a healthy Julio because he's about to sit out right. all week and no practice. So uh, get, right. that, get that right. toe right. But All right, yeah, Mr. Jones, man. man, I appreciate you calling in, man. We'll definitely have you back on the show uh, as early as probably next week, man. We'll get you back on here and uh, talk some more football with you, man. All right? Sounds good, man. No problem. I'll holler at you, fam. All right. Have a good one, man. Take care. You too. All right. Yeah. All right, everybody. I want to thank everybody for calling in today. Uh, Chris, Mr. Jones, and Mr. Majette, I appreciate you guys checking in and, and giving me your input on, um, you know, some things about the NFL and, and, and just the forecast of that horrible, horrible, horrible article written by Mr. Dan Shaughnessy of the Boston Globe. What a, what a, what a joke, in my personal opinion. And uh, you guys heard some other opinions here today, but um, had a great show. Had a, uh, I really enjoyed bringing you guys uh, the content and uh, I look forward to bringing you another great podcast. Uh, episode 35, we're going to we're going to dive into um, who do I think is going to be the Malcolm Butler of this year's Super Bowl? And I'm going to let you guys chime in, too. So uh, in the me- in between podcasts, I want you guys to hit me up on Instagram and Twitter. Give me some names. Who do you think is going to be that? that iconic Super Bowl um, big playmaker that's going to change the outcome of the game. And uh, that's going to be our next show. So uh, once again, this is Locker with Two T's checking in. Locker and Debate Podcast, episode 34. I appreciate you guys for checking in. And I'll see you next time. Peace. They say this is a big, rich town. I just come from the poet's part. Bright light, city life, I gotta make it, this is where it goes down I just happen to come up hard Legal or illegal, baby, I gotta make it I never it. took a straight path nowhere Life's full of twists and turns, bumps and bruises I live, I learn I'm from that city full of yellow cabs and skyscrapers